Grown and The Moth are excited to partner with Graduate Hotels to celebrate storytelling across generations. Visit any of Graduate's 30-plus hotels and you'll discover storytelling is at the heart of everything they do, especially when it comes to their unique, locally-inspired interior designs. Not only has The Moth hosted a series of open-mic story slams at Graduate Hotels, but members of our staff have also had the privilege of visiting graduate hotels as guests. From Ann Arbor, Michigan to Oxford, England, our team has experienced firsthand the rich storytelling and memorable design touches that make a graduate stay so special. So the next time you're visiting a beloved college town or dropping by your alma mater, stay at graduate hotels and save up to 30% with exclusive code MOTH. Thanks again to Graduate Hotels for their generous support and their commitment to telling the unique stories of their local communities. Go book your stay now at graduatehotels.com and remember to use code MOTH for up to 30% off. So, Eliza, I see that you brought something in to show the class today. <laughs> I did. I did. I've brought in, I'll, I'll describe it, okay? It's this green journal, and it has a Vincent van Gogh painting on it. Um, I think it's the irises. And I actually would see this green journal all around my house growing up, and I would see my mom writing in it from time to time. Uh, and then when I was 21, she gifted it to me. And it turns out that she was writing to me in it for the first 10 years of my life. And it's one of my greatest treasures, and I'm really excited to share some passages from her with you today. That's amazing. Wow. The other day when we were, when I met your mom, and I saw that, I witnessed the top-notch relationship that you guys <laughs> have. It was beautiful. So I'm very excited to hear from this diary. We're going to fast forward a little bit <laughs> to one of my favorite entries from January 7th, 2000. And my mom has taped in a piece of gray hair and she writes, Ta-da! Here it is, three weeks shy of my 31st birthday. Am I officially getting old? No way. <laughs> and it was her first gray hair. Sorry, mom, if I caused that one. May 28th, 2000. Hi, love. I just checked you in for the night, reading you three stories, and then telling you another Little Mermaid made-up story. <laughs> You're now sleeping in your own bed for most of the night, but still managed to get into ours by three or four in the morning. Here's a little secret. I love it. I love waking up next to you. Your other big accomplishment of late is that you're fully potty trained. <laughs> uh, I love this entry because one of my favorite memories growing up was waking up in the morning next to my parents, nestled between them either because I somehow had gotten there myself or they picked me up and put me there. And it's just so nice to read back that she liked it as much as I did. Okay, this is the last entry that I'll share with you all today. It's from uh, June 11th, 2007. I realize the number of blank pages remaining are few. I've been writing in here for nearly 10 years. Amazing. What a 10 years it's been. I want to write tonight specifically about my Lily. That was my family's nickname for me. You're quickly coming into adolescence. I felt an urge to write in here about this before I forget this time completely. You're starting to come into your own. You're starting to push the boundaries a bit to see your limits. And it is all good and natural, and I'm excited because up until now, you're still sharing it all with me and allowing me in. We have a wonderful relationship, and I can only hope that it continues. We often walk hand in hand, and we cherish our alone time together, which is rare. We talk about everything, from your changing body to your crushes, 
to your friend troubles and more. As much as I cherish being your friend, I still try to impose the fact that I'm your parent first and need the respect thereof. I know the teenage years are ahead of us, and I'm incredibly nervous about it all, but I feel that the foundation we've built is very solid and will keep us from falling hard. I love you, my beautiful daughter. P.S. You just completed Little Shop of Horrors, and you were awesome. <laughs> uh, I love this entry because I feel like it it's a weird, like, prelude to groan. <laughs> like, I was talking to my mom about all these things that you and I talk about, Fonzo, and um, my mom was my first safe space, and I'm really, really grateful. Like she said, that she put in the work to build the foundation for me to feel like that. Mm -hmm. I'm super grateful. Yeah, she would support me even when I was, like, background actor number two in Little Shop of Horrors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Write about it in her journal. That's so beautiful. Wow. I'm, like, breathtaking. Grown. 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 I'm Aliza. And I'm Fonzo. And this is Grown, a podcast from the moth full of stories about what it means to grow up. So, Aliza, why did we just take a peek into your mom's life? Well, because in this episode, we're going to be looking at parents, moms, dads, parental figures. Or whatever that means to you. Yeah, we'll be exploring what they understand and what they don't. And stick around, you might even hear more from my mom. Or my mom? Don't spoil the surprise, Fonzo. First up, we have Alyssa Ladd. She told this at a Houston Grand Slam, where the theme was, what's love got to do with it? Here's Alyssa, live at the mall. So my senior year of high school, I was hanging out with this boy quite a bit. And uh, we weren't dating, but I was hoping maybe it would turn into that. Um, we met at church, so we did very wholesome things when we hung out. Um, I'd been to family game night. His parents and siblings loved me. We took his little sister trick-or-treating. But I still didn't know if he liked me, liked me. Until one day he called and asked me to homecoming. And I thought, it is, it's all finally happening. Um, he could have asked anyone. Like, we didn't even go to the same high school. So I felt really special. I felt like it was confirmation that he liked me back. The day of the dance comes, and usually my mom would have been the one to uh, meet my date and take the pictures and help me pin the corsage, but she's out of town this weekend, so it's just me and my dad, and so he's the one who helps with the pictures and the corsage. And I get to the dance, and I start feeling very self-conscious because I don't go to the school. I don't know anyone there but my date. And he keeps leaving me to go say hi to his friends, and I'm trying to be understanding because like his school and all, but it's, he's so oblivious to how awkward it is to be left standing alone. Um, and then I see him dancing with a girl, and I'm like, it's fine. And then he's dancing with her again and again. And meanwhile, no one's asking me to dance because I don't go to this school, and no one knows who I am. But I'm trying, you know, I'm getting my feelings hurt. I'm feeling kind of embarrassed, but I'm trying to outwardly play it very cool because I don't want to seem uh, needy to him because already I know that that's like the worst thing you can be as a woman is needy. So I figure the dance is almost over and there's three couples. We're going to go bowling afterwards. So once we leave here, she'll be gone. It'll just be me and him and the night can really start. But he comes back over to me to get ready to go and he brings her with him. And he said, oh, she's going to come bowling now, too. No, that's not how this works. Like, 
you don't get to pick up a second date halfway through the night. Like, why am I even here? Why did you invite me? Like, screw you, I'm leaving. Um, that's what I would probably say now, but that's obviously not what I said. <laughs> when I was 17, that's not emotionally where I was at. Uh, where I was at was uh, sitting uh, seven of us in his mom's suburban driving to the bowling alley with my new rival just cheek to cheek here. And to make matters worse, she was a freshman and I was a senior, so it was just like really embarrassing. Um, but I start getting in my own head and I'm thinking, what does she have that I don't have? Uh, maybe if I was skinnier or if my hair was more like this. And I just go down that rabbit trail. So I'm not in a good headspace. And 0% of me wants to be bowling right now. But uh, I thought it would be pathetic or I would look weak if I um, went home early or if I started crying. And so I decided I'm gonna win the night and I'm gonna win the night by staying here and making you feel awkward about holding hands in front of me and uh, be just so confident that you can't, um, that I win. Finally, uh, curfew comes around and he drives all of us back home in his mom's suburban. And I put my key in the door very quietly. I think my dad's probably long asleep by now. But I get inside, and he's awake, and he's been waiting up for me to hear about the dance. And I can't get any words out. I just start sobbing out what I've been holding in all night. And my dad just puts his arms around me, and he pulls me to his chest, and just lets me cry there for a while. And I remember thinking, I don't remember the last time I cried in my dad's arms. So he's holding me to his chest, and my ear is to his chest, and I hear his heart pounding and getting faster. And then I hear him sniffle. And I kind of look up, and there's just tears streaming down his face. Just seeing his little girl crying, he didn't even really know why, made him cry. And I heard a parent once say, Having a child is like having your heart go walking around outside of your body. And I'm not a parent, but in that moment, I knew that to be true. I knew my dad loved me and my dad was proud of me. He told me those things all the time. But in that moment, I felt that so deeply. I was overwhelmed by how much he loved me. And so now I've pretty much forgotten about my date and how unloved I felt all night and now I'm just crying because of how loved I feel and how much I love my dad. And because my dad is older and wiser and not like an emotional 17-year-old girl, he can see things more clearly. And he tells me, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, that guy is just a dick. <laughs> and that really helped. <laughs> Homecoming didn't exactly turn out the way I'd planned. I'd kind of hoped the night would end, like, I don't know, in the arms of my date. Instead, it ended in my dad's. But um, I've never felt more loved. That was Alyssa Ladd. Alyssa said her younger self, quote, would not believe who I am now. I feel like I've been so different at different ages, it's almost unrecognizable, but younger me would be glad I'm happy. Up next, we got a story about one of my favorite topics. But first, Eliza, I'm curious. Eliza, what was the most difficult point in your relationship with your parents? Oh, that is a heavy question. 
Um, when I was about to go to college, I uh, I was still in high school, and I was like having my one last attempt at being a rebellious teenager, and I got in a lot of trouble for it. Uh, rightfully so now that I look back on it, but I was in so much trouble. I was grounded my last two months of high school. Um, I was fighting with my parents constantly. I just felt like they were disappointed in me, like they told me that they were disappointed in my actions. And at that time, I didn't understand why they were still trying to control my life. Within three months, I was going to be living 60 miles away, which isn't that far, but it was going to be away from them, you know? And in my mind, I was just so ready for that freedom. And like, why couldn't they just let me have it early? Um and I've talked about this. My parents were, like, pretty strict, I felt, growing up. I wasn't allowed to have sleepovers. I, like, didn't really have a, a huge extensive social life because of kind of my parents' strictness. And um, and I just wanted it so badly, and I felt like they were robbing me of it. Now I look on it with, I don't know, perspective and therapy and can realize that my parents are probably grappling with the fact that I was going to be leaving the nest and that must have been really hard for them and they didn't know how to navigate their transition but oh we butted heads so so intensely during that time and then when I went to school and I remember saying to them like I'll see you at Thanksgiving like I'm not going to be one of those people that comes back and like you know like I need space um and I visited them the next weekend because <laughs> I actually had a really, really rough first week of college. And I was like, oh, actually, I need my parents. Oh, actually, I need that safe space that they've they've built for me. Um, and maybe leaving the nest is harder than I thought it would be. Mm, wow. Yeah. But I'm going to ask you that same question. What was a, what was a tough point in your relationship with your parents? Mm, tough point. The whole relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fair. <laughs> No, I, um, with me, uh, I guess I, I kind of think that I wanted to, like, I wasn't too much yearning to, like, move out or, like, explore or, like, grow up too much. I didn't, I just didn't know what to do. I was, like, very stuck. I didn't know, I didn't have much guidance, um, for from a father figure, I wasn't like around my father constantly, or 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 even my mom. There wasn't too much influence on like what to do with my life, and so I kind of like held that as resentment because I felt envious mm -hmm. sometimes of like you know friends that would have like better relationships, not better relationships, but just uh, more productive relationships and and being taught things constantly. I kind of like had like a hands-off kind of like do what you got to do. And so I had to teach myself a mm. lot of stuff. And it kind of came relevant like at an early age. Like, okay, I'm going to have to like do these things in my, that my mom didn't tell me was important or I wasn't told by my father was important, which was like, you know, being on top of things and stuff like that. And so um, that was rough for me and I kind of resented my parents early 20s. And mm -hmm. so that was rough because I was just like, you know, howling at the moon at that point, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like mm -hmm. doing things I wasn't supposed to or like, you know, maybe drinking a little bit too much, um, doing stuff like that. And so that was rough. That was a rough point for me. But 
the older I got, the more lessons I learned, the more I relate to my parents and, mm. you know, start to see their side more, start to see my father's side more because of the harshness of life and my parents' relationships with their parents, mm-hmm. the times they've, they've gone through. Mm. You know, my mom was, you know, around in the 80s and 70s. She lost a lot of friends to, you know, certain things. My father's from uh, Honduras. He's from a different country. Coming here was harsh on him. He still has family that he didn't see. It's stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. you just start to relate and, and start to learn from that. And so that that was really just that whole point, the mm-hmm. harshness. It was just like a little bit of resentment for not having all the tools I felt like I needed. But it, it I taught myself that I'm not going to, like, not— fully embrace my parents, you know, mm. and have it spun into like a narrative that I, I didn't have to take on, you know, mm. which was negative. I want to always be able to like have my mom around and and have my dad around. And they are, they are. I love them a lot, you know. Yeah, that's that's hitting so deep for me because I I relate to that so much of like, Doing the work to see your parents for the full people that they are, recognizing what they went through maybe with their parents and, like, forgiving and really ending cycles of generational trauma that that occurs. And I, it's a conversation I have with, like, people our age in this day and age, you know, mm. and there's a part of me that's, like, angry that— our generation is doing all of this work. And I'm like, why couldn't my parents do this? You know, like it would have been so much easier if my parents had forgiven their parents and then taken those lessons and applied them. Mm. But I guess I have to kind of put that to the side. And like, I'm just grateful that Mm. so many of my peers and me and, and my brother and my cousins, like we are learning that it's important to recognize, forgive, and move forward rather than continue these harmful cycles. Mm. But it's also painful that all of that pressure is on us to yeah. do that, to break the cycles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is so real. It's just like perspective, really. Mm-hmm. And I and, and that comes with the gratefulness of like, I love who I am. You know, I love who I am. I love my life. Mm-hmm. Sure, it would have been, you know, I guess it would have been cool to, like, know these things beforehand. Mm-hmm. I guess it would have been cool to have these things. Mm-hmm. But what I have, I'm grateful for, and I'm grateful for my parents. Yeah, like what you said, like, I love what you said. Like, I like myself, and, like, our parents helped us become who we were. Like, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there are times now where, first of all, I look in the mirror and I see my mom, which is really trippy. And then there is, like— Things that I do, way, um, yeah, things that I do that just remind me of my parents. And sometimes they're really, really good. And sometimes they're like things that I wish um, were different about me. And it's really interesting when I can really pinpoint like which parent these different traits are coming from. And it's a mishmash. You can just see the full circle of like how you came into being. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? So wild. And it's like crazy. <laughs> My father's, like, this big, strong guy, and so, like, I'm, like, kind of, like, built like him, and, like, my hands are, you know, like, I, and I see myself in him, mm. and then my mom was just kind of, like, ADHD and, like, 
all over the place. And I, I get that from her because I can't, you know, it takes me a while to focus on things and we act exactly the same. And so, yeah, it's like kind of like, wow, that's like, <laughs> this is me. Now here's Daniela Yurena. She told the story at a showcase in New York City where we partnered with Kate Spade. Here's Daniela live at the mall. Back in Ecuador, my family was very religious. Everything they always talked about was either God or the devil. And there were so many TV shows, music, uh, things we never got to do because they were from the devil. But that never really stopped us from having a great time together. We were really close. I, I think I could say that we were emotionally and uh, mentally dependent on, on one another. Uh, moving forward, when I was 13, we came to the country, to the United States, and my sister and I, we stayed with one of our aunts upstate. Well, my parents stayed in New York City, and they were, you know, getting everything ready for us to move with them. And those two months vacation became a whole year. So throughout that year, my parents didn't want to lose that kind of relationship with us, so we would call each other often. It was like every night... I would hear from them and we would talk about everything. And we even had a group chat that we would send each other photos and videos and updates about our day. And it would be like, I ate this, I went to work, I went to school, everything. And they would reply right away or I would reply right away, but it was always there. We didn't know any English. I have a younger sister. I was in middle school and I was taking ESL classes and my teacher thought it would be great for us to, for me to start reading a book. Because, you know, reading helps you learn and all of that. So I didn't know much about, like, you know, books. And also I went with a cousin and a friend and we were to the school library and we started looking around and nothing really was calling my attention because, you know, I knew I wasn't going to understand any, anything. So I was just like, mm. and I found this like huge, it, it was big. It was like big section of like colorful books on the outside. And I started looking around and I chose what I thought was the most colorful book I've ever seen before. And the title was Naruto. So I opened the book and it was like, you know, lots of images and like uh, drawings in them. And I didn't know what it was. So I went to my cousin and I was like, what's this? And she was explaining to me how it was a Japanese manga. You're supposed to read it right to left. So I thought, you know what? This is perfect. I don't know words. I don't know how to read English, but I can see. And maybe I wouldn't understand what it says, but at least I'll get an idea, you know, based on what I can see. So I took the book, I took pictures of the book inside and outside, and I sent that on the group chat so that they could see what I was doing. And they didn't reply. It was weird, it was, you know, hmm. So I thought, you know, whatever, I'm gonna talk to them tonight anyways, like, it's fine. And that night, we were, they called, we were talking, and we talked about everything but the book. And I really wanted them to say something. I was like, you know, I'm, I was expecting um, for them to bring up the topic. So I said it myself and I was like, um, are you guys going to say something about the book? It's like, I'm reading a book and it's in English. I don't understand anything, but it's in English. And, and my mom didn't say anything. And my dad just said, you can't read it. And I was confused. I was like, why not? And he said, because it's Naruto. I didn't know he knew anything about it, but he just went like, it's from the devil. 
And then he started just sending me like lots of YouTube videos and articles about how Naruto, manga, and anime were from the devil and somehow I would be possessed by a demon if I dare to read it. And, and he would ask me questions about it. So like I had to watch and read those things. And, and I did what a good daughter would do. And I put the book away. I didn't even read it. I just put it away and I had to choose another one. It was also a manga, but they didn't have to know this time. <laughs> um, so, you know, things always get busy. They had work, I had a school. We kind of like lost that contact with each other. And during that time of the year, I, I was living with my aunt and my sister, and I started watching anime. Yeah, I discovered that world, so I, I was, you know, watching it. And my sister found out, she joined me. And, and it was like, we called it our little oh, safe cave. It was like a little safe cave. It was just the two of us in this little world that we had just created. And we would just, you know, sit in that room watching anime for hours. And we would completely ignore the whole world outside, this new language, new school, new people. It was nothing but just my sister and I in this world that, that we now had together in this little room. And we continued doing that throughout the year, as well as when we moved to the, to the city after the year was over. And my parents didn't know anything about it. It was like, you know, a total secret. It was just my sister and I uh, in the room, headphones on, no parents around. And that was like, you know, our secret. And um, things at home were different than how they used to be. It was the same people, it was the same sisters, same parents, same me, but it just felt like we were four strangers living in the same house. I tried doing things with them and they tried doing things with me, but it didn't feel right. It just felt like I didn't know them and they didn't know me. So I just continued following them around everywhere. If my mom was cooking in the kitchen, I didn't know how to cook, but I would still be there next to her, watching her do stuff and having the same conversation every day. This is how my day was, this is what I said, this is what I did. And she would tell me the same, like, this is how my day was, this is what I said, this is what I did. And it would go like that every single day. And same thing with my dad. My dad would be in the living room watching TV, would be soccer. You know, I didn't know anything about it, so I was, I was just sitting there like, nice. And, and sometimes he would be watching Facebook videos. I don't know the thing that he had with those Facebook videos. He was always about soccer as well. And I wouldn't understand, but I would still be there next to him watching. And I remember this particular day, I was, I was with my mom in the kitchen. And we were talking, we were chatting about, you know, school and all. And I just heard like that fighting kind of sounds like you hear from a movie. So I, I felt curious. I went to see because he was coming from the living room and only my dad was there. So uh, I walked there, and he was smiling, looking at his phone, and I was like, what are you watching? And he says, oh, it's Dragon Ball. I found it on Facebook. <laughs> I was in complete shock. I was like, how are you watching Dragon Ball, which is an anime, if anime is from the devil? And he just said, no, it's not. Dragon Ball's fine. It's not from the devil. So I went running to my mom. And I was just like, you have to come and see this. You have to see what your husband's watching. Like, come see it right away. And she went to the living room. And before my dad could say anything, she recognized it right away. And she was just smiling and she was like, oh my gosh, you're watching Dragon Ball. And then she started talking about so many animes that she used to watch. And when she was younger and they were like, oh, I used to uh, skip college classes to watch Dragon Ball. And I was just like, 
wow, like, my gosh, the audacity of these people. <laughs> uh, but even though I was feeling, you know, all of that, I, I, that moment I realized maybe this is it. This is what I needed. That was my door, my opportunity, something to have in common with them. So I just continued doing what I was doing, continued watching anime, just this time not as secret anymore. I would still watch it on my phone, no Naruto though, you know? And it would be my sister and I sitting on the, on, on the table watching anime on my phone and they would walk right behind us and they wouldn't say anything, they would just walk away. And then my mom kind of like felt curious to what we were watching as she joined and we ended up watching Attack on Titans, which she really loved, um, kind of like ironic considering it's way worse than Naruto. And she liked it that much, she had to tell my dad about it. And he also ended up watching it with us and it became our family tradition. Every day, every time, like in the week that my dad wasn't working or we were not feeling too tired, had nothing to do, we would just sit anywhere in the house and watch anime together. And, and, and we still do it. And, and now that I look back into all of this uh, and I remember how things were in Ecuador, how things were as soon as we moved here, when we moved to New York City with them and how things are now, I think I can finally say I've realized how anime and manga is what brought my family back together. Thank you. That was Daniela Yorena. Her younger self would say that now she can be very sneaky and ready to take risks, an adaptable kind of person. Remember to check out grownpod.com for more info on the storytellers in the podcast. And you can always follow us on Instagram or TikTok at grownpod. So remember how I told you we were going to hear more from my mom? Well, you'll be hearing from my mom too. Bam. Because we brought them into the studio to play a game. The rules of the game are my mom and I are a team and Fonzo and his mom are a team. We're playing against each other. Everybody writes down the answers to a few questions, then their mom or child reads the question and tries to guess what they answered. If they guess right, their team gets a point. I think you'll pick it up pretty quick. So here are Fonzo and I with our moms. All right, guys, we are here with two people that need no introduction. To us, at least. To everyone else, they should probably have a little introduction. Yes, that's probably true. All right, can you introduce yourselves? Hello. My name is Manisha, and for the last 25 years, I've been mom to Elisa. <laughs> hmm. My name is Frida, and I've been mom to Alfonso, who I call Fonzie. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Fonzie. I like that. Um, all right, Mom, first question. Okay, so, Mom, you were asked how strict were you when you raised your kids on a scale from 0 to 10? I think that you would have answered a seven. Okay, I'm going to flip it over. You, <laughs> okay, she answered four, and then in parentheses, Aliza will say nine. You know what? I was being nice. I probably should have said nine. <laughs> We've had this discussion many a times. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not really near nine, but when I was 13 years old, it was like a ten. In my mind. Well, you were 13. <laughs> so let's leave it at that. <laughs> that was really cute, guys. <laughs> All right, so I'm starting with the same question, right? Yeah, okay. 
how strict were you when you raised your kids on a scale from zero to 10? Mom, I am going to guess. I'm going to say, not guess. Three. You're not that strict of a mom. <laughs> and let's see what you said. Wow. wow. Oh, whoa, I get a ding, point. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> oh, it's three. <laughs> I get a point. <laughs> I get a point. Are the points Aliza, don't matter. We got to oh pick up God. our game here. All right. I'm on the board, guys. <laughs> I wish I'm you could board, see people. Frida's poker face right now. <laughs> when Fonzo said three, I had no idea which way that was going. Oh, man. <laughs> My mom's face is so misleading right now. She's like, this silent. This silent. What's the quality? you and your kid share the most in common I want to say uh, creativity and let's see what you wrote let's see what you got in common with it oh whoa storytelling and watching good stories we love anime very true stories and movies that include imaginative world fantasy so I should have said the anime. I'll give you the point, though. That's, like, in the same vein, I think. I don't think it's, it's way off. <laughs> it's way off. But, but yeah, I, I, I— You forgot Adult Swim. <laughs> we used to cuddle together when you were 12 and watch Adult Swim, Aww. which was, you know, just—I don't even know what was on the air. <laughs> it was like the cartoons, like Cowboy the edgy cartoons. Bebop and all that. Oh, yeah. Okay, my turn. <laughs> okay, Lisa, what's something you definitely not do like your mom if you had kids? Hmm. Oh. That one's hard because I'm kind of perfect. <laughs> um, hmm. Let me think for a second. Mm. Maybe you would not put your kids in school in a completely different borough than where they grew up. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that would have been a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Can I change my answer? No. <laughs> um, not teach them a second language. Yes, yes. That one is uh, is definitely one. One that I hold a lot of guilt about. But um, but you can teach my kids Farsi. I can teach your kids Farsi, yes. But I'd say, you know, I, I did other things pretty good. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's one I, I, I do feel quite a bit of guilt about. And, I, and if I had to do it over again, I think I would have absolutely... Fix that one. So, mm-hmm. Duolingo, Elise. Duolingo. Duolingo does not have Farsi, yet, <laughs> but I will. I will keep an eye out. <laughs> if you want to know who won, well, we don't really have to tell them. <laughs> Me and my mom won and beat Elisa and her mom, six to five. It was a close game, okay. And all that really mattered is we had a really, really fun time in the studio. Yes, yes, yes. We all won. It was a blast. (laughs) Which brings us to our next episode, except this was the end of our second season. No. I know. I'm going to miss being in the studio with you, Fonzo. With or without our moms. Yeah, exactly. But hey, we are already hard at work on season three, and we can't wait for you to take a listen. Hey, Aliza, we'll be back in this studio before you know it. I am looking forward to it. So if you want to stay up to date on all things Grown, keep subscribed to the podcast and check out our Instagram or TikTok at GrownPod. And if you're a young person who wants to get involved in telling your own story, you can always go to themoth.org slash education. There'll be a bunch of resources for you there. We'll be back soon with a new season of Grown. And remember, no matter how old you are, you're You're never never fully fully grown. grown.
Alfonso Lacayo is a passionate creator from the Bronx who appreciates the art of storytelling and self-expression. His favorite part of recording Grown Season 2 was jamming out with our producer Mark to Kelly Clarkson during our breaks. Aliza Cosme is a multimedia storyteller passionate about using the power of storytelling for social good. Her favorite thing about recording this season of Grown were the times she got to chat with the young storytellers. Grown is a production of The Moth. Our senior editor is Sarah Jane Johnson, and our senior producer is Mark Sollinger. That's me. With support from our artistic team, including Jody Powell, Suzanne Rust, and Sarah Austin Janess. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our education team. Melissa Brown, Jonathan Cabral, Devin Elise Wilson, and Anna Stern, as well as our instructors, past and present. To learn more about the Moth's education programs for young adults and educators, visit themoth.org edu. Daniela Lorena's story was directed by Michelle Jalowski. The instructors were Tim Lopez and Nika Williams. Mixing is by Davey Sumner with original music and sound design by Davey Sumner. Sarah D. Michelle makes original illustrations for each episode of Grown's second season. You can see them on our website, grownpod.com. Special thanks to all those who contributed their voices. The rest of the Moss leadership team includes Sarah Haberman, Jennifer Hickson, Meg Bowles, Kate Tellers, Marina Cliche, Brandon Grant Walker, Leanne Gully, and Aldi Casa. All Moss stories are true, as remembered and affirmed by their storytellers. For more about Grown, go to grownpod.com. Grown is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange. Ever wonder why we want to tell complete strangers our personal secrets? Or what a CIA spy can teach you about keeping things close to the chest? Read about this and see other fascinating articles on secrets in Grown's Pocket Collection. Pocket is a website and app that finds the most thought-provoking articles from trusted sources all around the internet and puts them in one place. With Pocket, you can keep and find new articles to read, save articles for later, and even have your saved articles read aloud to you. If you want to dig deeper into this secret-worthy episode of Grown, head over to Pocket and check out our collection at getpocket.com slash grown.